0: Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics see how you can get involved in support throughout all ages 1530 apologetics by visiting throughout com. That's throughout com. Joe where is that magnifying glass?
1: How you doing today? This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics, and we're here to intellectually think about arguments and see if it makes sense as we weigh it out with history, science, archaeology, and prophecy. And does it make sense? Our topic today is part two as we talk about the gay lifestyle men with men and women with women. And what does the Bible have to say about that? First, I want to say that much talk on affirming the nuances of same-sex, consenting, loving, and caring adults who even propose a true relationship with God is something they say the Bible never talks about, this type of relationship. Before we dive into Leviticus, I never understood why an atheist would contend That they could do good works and be good moral people we know people can demonstrate ethical behaviors what trips them up is jesus saying all men have sin and there is no goodness no lovingness that can be acceptable to god why because if God is not Lord of these values of treating someone respectfully, helping the elder across the road, or providing food and a home for the family, no matter what it looks like in your life, if to all men you look decent, fair, and giving, yet there is one sin that consumes me in you, and that is idolatry. Idolatry is to live life without recognizing the very creator that made you must be the reason for everything you do in life. So, can prideful men learn to hide their haughtiness? Can a lustful man cover up his flare for emotional sensualness? Can a family father who understands children provoke his own children without recognizing the flaw? Of course, all of these actions can look good on the outside until it is examined by God. This is a verse I like to read that they profess to know God. But in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work, Titus 1.16. These are people who profess to have a relationship with God, to know Him intimately, and they believe they are living for the Lord. I have seen this in the faith healers, the prosperity teacher, those who take away our liberty, in those who call themselves the new prophets of today, those who take advantage of the women for sensuality, those who take advantage of a young child and pedophilia, and those who instruct a new Bible, a new chapter, a new thought. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him. Last week we talked about thieves when we compared the 21st century affirming gay Christian whose response is to say, I'm not like those others. I long for God. I do not abuse my husband. We have a monogamous relationship, a loving consent of two adults. I have said when you look around us, even in the church, there are many thieves, people who steal something that does not belong to them. There are thieves who are deplorable, who murder innocent people without thought. There are those who would not murder, but raping an innocent victim brings exhilaration to them. Yet there are those that will rob a man blind and invite you to the table of grace treat you as though they would never steal from you. We would spend a lifetime with them, not knowing all along they stole from our neighbors. A thief. If the cultic woman prostitute gives up the temple and learns to be more modest over the decades, more loving, not just anyone who would offer up money to her, but someone who needs help, someone who just wants to feel accepted, wanted, and they consented this relationship, would help them both. Would this make prostitution right? If the temple rituals of Moloch, with beaming red seared arms stretch out to hold the baby until he burned to death, can be done with more methodical, precise instruments, inducing medicine, a medical building with a physician, could we say that the Bible or history never knew how educated or sanitary we would be with unwanted aborted babies? I would say this by far misses the point. The Bible has always declared it's the action that takes place that causes the sin. The individual is responsible for the sin. Same sex orientation has to do with the action that takes place, and the individual is held accountable that action. I like what Andrew Murray says when he makes a quote about sin. He says, One great power of sin is that it blinds men, men so they do not recognize its true character. Charles H. Spurgeon, he says, As the salt flavors every drop in the Atlantic, so does sin affect every atom of our nature. It's so sadly there, so abundantly there, that if you cannot detect it, You are deceived. In Romans 6.16, it makes reference to sin. Do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But your iniquities, it tells us in Isaiah 59, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden God's face from you, so that he will not hear. Ultimately, it's the action that takes place that causes the hardening of the heart, the justifying of your actions. One will begin stretching definitions to mean something it never intended, especially in the word of God. We see this over and over again in history. Listen to this. It's not how or where I do prostitution that makes it wrong. It's not how or where I steal something that makes it wrong. It's not how or where I abort babies that makes it wrong. It's the action. Out of the heart of man comes wickedness. Men having sex with men and women with women. This is the sin. How and where men have sex with men is not the concern. It's the action that takes place. How and where is secondary? It tells us in Galatians 5.19, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which is adultery, fornication, uncleanness, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, envy, murders, drunkenness, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past that they who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's talk about fruit. The verse says in Matthew 7, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In Matthew Vine's book, God and the Gay Christian, he asserts in Matthew 7, we will know good fruit looking at men who would go against traditional claims of interpreted scripture that has been held for hundreds of years. And he talks about, for example, about Paul learning that the Gentiles can come to a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith and that they don't need to circumcise anymore. A tradition, a practice that's been held more than a tradition, something that God had asked them to do. And the other thing is, he talks about slavery, how it came to pass, the abolishment. The problem with this is he uses in Matthew 7, 15... The context here is, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. You see, prophets would give a divine call or word that is from God, at times teachings that are inspired. But Matthew 7 had all to do with rotten, corrupt, evil, wicked fruit, prophets teachers who would fleece the flock, men who acted like shepherds, but really wolves. You could only know the difference by knowing God's word. God's word, his principles, were to line up with any prophecy or teaching as a prophet or teacher. So Matthew 7 had all to do with corrupt and evil fruit. It tells us in verse 17, so every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree. The word bad there in the Greek is rotten, corrupt. The bad, rotten tree bears bad, and that word in the Greek is evil, wicked fruit. A good tree cannot produce evil, wicked fruit, nor can a bad, rotten, corrupt tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And this is a damnable place separated from God. In context, It is only talking about a prophet. There is a prophet who is a man of God that brings forth good fruit, and there is a false prophet. Our comparison is not a prophet's experience. Experience is a plea to emotionalism. What we see, feel, and touch is subjective way too often. The foundation is the Word of God. There will be times you don't understand all that God has commanded or wrote, but we will do well if we abide by his whole word, the Bible. As far as experience, we know in history millions turn to Mormonism and millions to Jehovah Witnesses seems to produce good fruit. This seems to produce good fruit. They're coming to Christ and are becoming saved. Even when you talk to these leaders and their congregation and families, they fit the coin of a good shepherd. There's just one thing that calls them out as evil and rotten, and that is their fruit. And we'll talk more about this as we go into the second half. This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics. Stay with us. Don't go away because there is much
0: more to come with Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K Praise. Welcome back to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. And now, here's your host, Joe Gaona,
1: on K-Praise. How you doing? Welcome back as we come to the second part of Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. And we are talking about men sleeping with men in the gay lifestyle and what it has to say in the Bible about this. The prophet Jeremiah calling all day long for the house of Israel to turn from their wicked ways and follow God. Yet, Jeremiah was called by God and rejected by men. Experience has failed all too often. I want to talk about the moral law as we dive closer into the Old Testament. The moral law, the Ten Commandments, the civil law that the judges would have for the nation— and ceremonial law, the practices that would take place in ceremonies. Now, the moral law encompasses God's nature, his attribute and character, while illuminating the fallen state of all mankind. The moral law can be called ordinances. The ordinances are holy, just, and unchanging. Every wrong deed in the Bible is encompassed in the Ten Commandments. And then you got the ceremonial law, is the customs of the nation. God is separating his people from the people of all other nations. And then we got the civil law, is the law of the land pertaining to God's people. And the judges would judge the people according as a society. When we look at the moral law, the civil law, and the ceremonial law, it is revealed by God who He is. It is a redemptive plan in work. This plan does not come out all at once. As the years go by, God's people, the church, and the canon of scriptures move towards a consummation when all things will be fulfilled. This is why in Colossians one twenty five Paul said, Wherefore I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. When we look at the moral law, the civil law, and the ceremonial law, There will be times the moral law, the Ten Commandments, will entwine in these categories, the civil law and the ceremonial law. For instance, the ceremonial law talks about atonement, being washed from sin, the priest not taking a whore for marriage or a profane woman that's polluted. The civil law to the nation talks about immoral relationship, with family, friends, and animals. It brings up regulations for murder and rape. The way we distinguish the unchanging moral law of God is one, the Bible says in the Ten Commandments, it's wrong to lie, cheat, and steal. And that cannot change. And then we look at what the New Testament says about one's life, and that cannot be eradicated. When we go through this, we look for contradictions. The Bible should be consistent from Genesis to Revelation. And this is why when someone brings another book into the Old Testament and the New Testament, it becomes negligent or inconsistent. Let's talk about Leviticus. Now we know there's two verses in Leviticus that talks about man sleeping with man. It tells us in Leviticus eighteen twenty-one to twenty-four that thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind; it is an abomination. And then we have in Leviticus twenty thirteen, if a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. Now, after a thousand years or so of history from Moses. To when the Septuagint was written in about three hundred B.C., this was the Greek Bible of the Hebrew Old Testament. We find in Leviticus twenty thirteen in the Greek Septuagint, it actually says that whoever sleeps with a man as the bed of a woman. So it doesn't just say lie now; it actually says whoever sleeps with a man. As the bed of a woman, it is an abomination. Paul is no doubt drawing from the writings of Leviticus written in Hebrew, but then he quotes from the Septuagint as a new compound word in the New Testament. I say new, but really Paul takes the understanding from the Hebrew and then quotes the Hebrew Old Testament of Leviticus, and then quotes from the Septuagint Greek. Paul understands that to lie down from the Hebrew and to bed, as you would with a woman, brings the meaning ever so clear. Arsenio Coitis Arsen, man, and coit means bed. You can find this in 1 Corinthians 6.10 and 1 Timothy 1.10. I want you to remember that when a man lies with a man, like in a woman's bed, it is the act that makes it sinful. There are those who begin to say in the middle of the 20th century, this is all to do with young man, young men's prostitution in the pagan temples. But the Bible knows nothing with affirming, consenting men who want a marriage relationship. Throughout the whole Bible, the covenant of marriage, the lifestyle, the symbolism, the oneness, the family is always between male and female. Even the moral law, the Ten Commandments, talk only about men and women ordained by God. The opponents want to say because it was a temple practice, men having sex with young men, God was not disqualifying men having sex with men outside of the temple in a monogamous relationship. If this is the case, then the verse above and below Leviticus 18 should be qualified if done in the right manner. And this is the verse on verse 21. And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Moloch. And then the verse underneath says, Nor shall you mate with an animal to defile yourself with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Surely if the temple ritual of Molech, with beaming red seared arms, stretch out to hold a baby until it burns to death, can be done more methodical, precise instruments, Inducing medicines and medical buildings with a physician—could we say that the Bible knew nothing about how abortion could be completed and done? Or if we find some way to take an animal, a beast, and have it so that it's not suffering, can we indulge our appetite in bestiality? And remember, I gave the reference of prostitution. No, Jesus quotes from the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1.27 and Genesis 2.24. He makes this quote in Matthew 19.4. Jesus answered and said, Have you not read that he created them from the beginning, made male and female? For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I want you to see how sacred this is, that Jesus would come from the first century and bring it all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, talking about this, this sacred marriage covenant that was between a male and a female. And then we find Paul in 1 Corinthians 6. He does the same thing, and he talks about a harlot. Why? Because if you join yourself with a harlot, already being married to someone which is God that going with a harlot would make it fornication or make it adultery and it brings it back to the 10 commandments you shall not commit adultery now listen to this verse 15 of 1st Corinthians 6 it says do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ shall i then take the members of Christ And make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? So if you go out with a harlot, being a prostitute, a harlot, uh, being single, you have committed fornication. But if you are married and go out with a harlot, you have committed adultery. But because you are gods and you are Christ, when you take your body and you use it for sexual immorality, you become one with whatever you're becoming part of when you have that sexual relationship. And so it goes on to say, or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, going back to Genesis, he says, shall become one flesh. And then he unites us all together by saying, flee sexual immorality. And so he takes it a step f- further. He says, flee pornia, porn. Flee anything that has to do with sex outside of a marriage of a man and woman. Because every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body and sexual immorality is to use your body outside of of a marriage between two people that become one, and so I want you to take heart about this when you think about what Jesus said, bringing it all the way back to Genesis one, and this is why it becomes a moral argument with the Ten Commandments. There are those who say, Must I wait?' Yes, you must wait. Wait to see what God can do. In your celibacy, in your wanting a relationship, maybe, just maybe, he might make you a brand new creature. This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics Throughout All Ages, and we'll see you next week. That's a take, and this has been Throughout All
0: Ages 1530 Apologetics. You can learn more about your host, Joe Gaona, how to support and get involved with 1530 Apologetics by visiting ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com. That's ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com.